Welcome to the Reflections on Parkinson's Disease podcast. In this podcast, we hope to demystify Parkinson's disease, looking at everything from the basics to the cutting edge. Whether you are a healthcare professional, sufferer, carer, or family member looking to learn more, leading experts, Professor Baz Bloom and Professor Werner Poover will help uncomplicate the subject. Orwin presents Reflections on Parkinson's Disease podcast. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the Parkinson alphabet. Um, as usual, I'm here with my friend and colleague, Professor Baz Blom, an eminent Parkinsonologist and neurologist from the uh, University of Nijmegen in the Netherlands, from Radboud Hospital Center. Uh, myself, I'm Werner Pöwe, a clinical neurologist and Professor Emeritus at Innsbruck Medical University in Innsbruck, Austria. And today, um, it's our particular pleasure to be um, together, not virtually in recording the podcast, but actually on site at the International Movement Disorder Society Congress in Madrid, in Spain. Um, we're very grateful to Bial for having supported this particular series within a number of letters of the alphabet that we haven't covered yet. And today we're going to focus on the letter G, an important one in the Parkinson alphabet in many ways, for example, through the term of genetics. Um, and genetics, of course, has had a major role in our understanding in recent years of the mechanisms, potential, or real mechanisms underlying the pathogenesis of Parkinson's disease. And there's such a wealth of information and knowledge that we could never possibly cover in a podcast. But we will home in on one G gene, uh, and that's that's GBA today. Buzz, why, why GBA? Yeah, wonderful to be sitting here so close together, Werner. Mm. Uh, feels like the good old days. It does. So GBA was the the story was triggered by observations in people with Gaucher's disease, and Gaucher's disease is caused by mutations in the GBA gene on chromosome one. These are heterozygous mutations, which means that both alleles are mutated. It's a lysosomal storage disease affecting multiple organs, could affect the brain, and people started to note that these people seem to have a higher risk of developing Parkinson's disease, and subsequently, people started to also look at homozygous mutation, so just one allele that's mutated. And as it turns out, that's now the most common risk factor for Parkinson's disease. It doesn't inherit like a Mendelian fashion, but it's a risk factor for Parkinson's disease. And it's a very common one, depending on the specific population and the genetic background. It affects some five to up to 15% of patients um, in the population of Parkinson's patients. In the Netherlands, it's very common. I believe in my country, it's up to 15% even. So GBA, what does it stand for and what does it do, Werner? Yeah, that's, that's a, of course, an important question to ask. Why, why, why could it ever be important for Parkinson's? And I just would like to add to what you said, Buzz. Of course, there, there even, if you think of the Ashkenazi Jewish population mm -hmm. where these initial observations were made, uh, our colleagues in Israel, they, they even see more and higher yeah. percentages even than we do of this. So it's a really important risk factor. Yeah. And GBA encodes for an enzyme, uh, which is a bit difficult to pronounce. It's called glucocerebrosidase, 
or to make it a bit easier, G-case. And this enzyme catalyzes an important lysosomal, uh, is an important lysosomal enzyme that catalyzes the um, breakdown of glucosyl ceramide into glucose and ceramide. And ceramide is a very important um, stepping or building stone in, in the uh, pathway of several uh, sphingolipids. Um, so in, in a nutshell, we're talking about a very important lysosomal en enzyme um, that is in critical for lysosomal function. And lysosomal dysfunction can have a number of detrimental effects uh, in the cell in Parkinson's disease related um, to autophagy, for example, and the removal of uh, default um, misfolded proteins and 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 other cargo. Um, the, um, lyso, the the role of of GKs is also intriguing in that investigators have been able to show that reductions in the activity and the mutations we're talking about in Parkinson's disease or in Gaucher's disease all lead to reduced activity of the enzyme, and such reduced activity is. Um, associated with a greater propensity of alpha-synuclein yep. to not only become misfolded and aggregate, but to remain in the cell. So there is a, a reciprocal, in a way, relationship. As GK's activity goes down, aggregated synuclein is, is going up in experiments and vice versa. So it, it is also become an interesting target in terms of the synuclein pathology that we already discussed so much about. Now, Having said all this, and we'll come back to it maybe in the in the towards the end of the podcast, if if as you said, Buzz, so many people with Parkinson's disease do harbor mutations, most of them heterozygous mutations in the GBA gene, um, does it make a difference clinically speaking? Could you could you recognize the GBA PD patient? No, obviously that's a very good question. And um, on the one hand, GBA Parkinsonism looks like idiopathic Parkinson's disease. So there is not a distinct single clinical clue that separates GBA from what we call otherwise idiopathic Parkinson's disease. At the same time, we know that these people tend to have an earlier age at onset, up to maybe five years earlier. Um, they have a more rapid disease progression overall. And in particular, the rate of cognitive decline seems to be worse in these GBA uh, Parkinson patients. It bends a little bit on the nature of the mutation. There are multiple mutations and other genetic changes in the GBA gene have been described. And depending on the exact nature of the changes in the gene, the phenotype will be affected. But those are three things that people can use to think about um, uh, uh, GBA uh, when they're seeing their patients. So um, that's about the, 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 the clinical course. Um, does it in any way affect uh, the treatment of these patients? Well, that's, of course, a, a clue or, or a number one question with relation to, to genetic forms of Parkinson's and genetic risk factors and the pathways that are disturbed. Can we move towards a more targeted treatment, something that would even have an effect on the, as you said, on the progression of the disease? And the answer is, well, we don't know, but we hope. And there's, an, there's a quite a bit of effort to target uh, this pathway that is related to deficient glucocerebrosidase activity, which, by the way, has been shown not only in brain material of Parkinson's right, right. disease, patients carrying a mutation, but also in non-GBA mutated 
PD patients, uh, investigators have found reductions in glucose cerebrosidase activity, which is very intriguing. So this is a target. And uh, there are a number of programs underway um, to target this particular function, either by copying what the treatments in Gauche's disease do. The, they are called substrate reduction therapies. Right. And um, by by reducing the substrate of glucocerebrosidase, uh, uh, hoping to reduce the buildup um, of glucosylceramide. Now, whether that's really the right way to do or to tackle the problem is, is not proven. There was one large trial with Wanglustat yep. testing that hypothesis, a substrate reduction approach, and this didn't show any signal for efficacy in terms of slowing disease progression, unfortunately. And there are other activities that really want to uh, vamp up the activity of glucosebrosidase, um, either through molecular chaperons, uh, one being a compound in development, originally developed by a, a company called Lysosomal Therapeutics. Um, and there is an intriguing uh, chaperone molecule that was found in some way, almost serendipitous. Uh, this is the old cough medicine, Ambroxol, yeah. um, which has also been shown to enhance the activity of glucoserbicides in different models. And that's been given to people uh, with Parkinson's disease. First, to see is it safe, because one needs very high doses, much higher than you would use in, in treating cough. Um, and also, would it would it cross the blood-brain barrier? Would it enter the central space? And, and these preliminary data have been published, I think it was two years ago or a little more, because Shapira was the lead on that, on that activity uh, from London. And indeed, there was, as we call it, target engagement with changes in the uh, G-case activity in leukocytes in the right direction, also increases in G-case protein in the CSF. So in that sense, a viable approach, but we don't know as of yet whether these approaches work or even gene therapy approaches to bring back via gene therapy uh, the deficient glucocerebrosidase activity. So your question, does it matter therapeutically? It could once any of these programs or others would be successful. Now, if that being so, uh, of course, to do these trials, you need to have, and, and that's, I think, correctly, these studies focused on those subjects that do carry a mutation. Um, but would you test outside of clinical trials? Would you test your newly diagnosed Parkinson patients for GBA mutations? No, definitely. This is a question that you and I get in our clinical practice all the time. I think many of our listeners are confronted with this question all the time. I think you've really beautifully summarized the GBA story, how on the one hand we now see that Parkinson's isn't just one disease, it is multiple diseases, and how we are moving not towards one treatment for all of Parkinson's, but for GBA treatments, or in the future, LARC2 treatments, or but how at the same time GBA has taught us something about how to maybe use GKs as a general treatment because it may be relevant for other forms of Parkinson's as well. Really fascinating. So patients now often ask us the question, can I be tested? And we tend to be quite reluctant for a variety of reasons. One main reason is that people often want to be tested because they want to hear that they're normal. 
um, they're not prepared for an abnormal result, particularly because it affects their family members who can now also be tested. And if you are a carrier and otherwise healthy, there's nothing we can offer except for offering them the ability to participate in trials, which is important. So people need to be very much aware of the pros and cons of being tested. So what we generally do is send people to a geneticist, a counselor, who carefully describes the pros and cons. And in the Netherlands, at least, most people ultimately refrain from being tested unless they want to take that risk of having to tell a difficult message to their family members or because they're very motivated to participate in future clinical trials. And I think that just asking for a test is quickly done, but thinking about the consequences takes a little bit more time. I, I couldn't agree more. And and then a technical detail, of course, also is that not every laboratory is necessarily up to um, diagnosing all the, the different variants that there are correctly and putting them into perspective. Exactly. So one, one yeah. has to be uh, careful about yeah. this and very judicious. Fascinating topic, Bas. Um, Absolutely. I've, we've used up all of our time, even a little more. So we're going to stop here for today. Thank you, for everybody, for for listening. Uh, thank you again to Bial for having supported this particular program. Also to Oren, who've, uh, who are hosting these series of the Parkinson Alphabet podcasts. And we would hope to see or hear many, as many of you as possible in, in when we approach the next letter of the Parkinson Alphabet. Keep an ear open for the future letters of the alphabet. See you soon, I hope. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and look forward to seeing you next time. Don't forget to stay up to date with all the latest discussions and help spread awareness. Follow and subscribe. You can find us on your favourite podcast platform and oroin.com.